Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann, and today we are joined by, well, only other one other person, and that will be Mickey B. But it's a very happy to have you on the podcast again, dude. It's been way too long. I feel like you undersold me there. I did, like, I did. I just said, and we only have. But no, no, the man, the myth, the legends. Thank you. Know. you. Yeah. It's good the, to be uh, here. Thanks it, for having me. It's only good. You see, now you're underselling this now. You need to be like, it's great to be here. <sighs> It's great to be here. It's the there we go. Ever. Oh, yeah, exactly. Really good. Whoa, you know? Yeah. So much you have to yeah. you know, breathe out. Like, whoa. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this is. Yeah, that's the start. Of the, it's only me and uh, Mickey here today, but we thought we'd have... We, it's been a couple of weeks now since we've done like a real recording. Yeah. So I kind of I did a batch of them. We did like a batch of them with uh, other guests and stuff, and we haven't really had a ramble podcast in a while. And I'm sure there's lots of things. Well, we, we, we met up last week, obviously, but we didn't really get to talk too much tech. Did. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, how are things going, Mickey? Well, first of all, before I answer that question, can, can we have a little birthday shout out section? Is that allowed? Can I, just I think do we quick? might as well. I mean, you know, this podcast right. has no rules apart from one rule exactly. to break the rules. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so happy birthday KCB have a wonderful time in Bath oh sorry in Bath, bath. good As, choice she's going to Bath who's she going to Bath with uh, family I think very just, nice uh, good um, choice good yeah. shout yeah I, I went there oh, a couple her, of months ago it's very good her brother got her a, uh, a MacBook Air for her uh, even her better that is a really nice brother actually yeah. I, my brother yeah. Uh, it was my birthday earlier this month. Uh, all, all cool people. Yes. Well, uh, you obviously know the day of the birthday, seeing as it's you know the you, where you should do, or I should be a terrible, terrible father if you don't remember your child's birthday. Um, forgotten? You forgotten exactly. Yeah. You did forget. It was quite funny. I was like, you know, saying happy birthday to T Bone, and you were like, oh yeah, I forgot, and you're like, ah. Oh. Unbelievable. Can we just clarify? I forgot your birthday, yeah, not yeah, my yeah, son's yeah, birthday. Yeah, absolutely. You forgot my birthday. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. remember T Which is on the same day, but it's yeah, yeah. on the same day, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, it was interesting because obviously looking through, I looked at last, looked at the picture you tweeted out last year of you with yeah. Toby, and I'm just like, he has grown insane. It's just like, what the hell? Yeah. Babies are crazy. He's walking now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so talking about brothers, you know, obviously her brother got yes. <laughs> her a lovely MacBook Air. My brother yeah. got me a, a Yankee candle. I wanted. Um, I'm, I'm not really. Gonna, yeah, I'm not. Th- I'm not. I'm not. You know, going to be embarrassed by saying I like a good Yankee candle. You know, mm. I like things smelling you got a good. Favorite scent or well, I got the cappuccino it? one, this coffee one. So you know, I like my coffee. So I thought, you know, it's quite nice. So yeah, yeah. Didn't even bother wrapping it. Didn't even get a card. Just, just literally, it was an Amazon box order. But I, I should take it as you know, oh. it was nice that he actually he thought about me. You know, yeah. uh, love just, you, brother. Uh, anyway, so yeah, how are things yeah. going there, man? Like, what's what's going uh, on in the Mickey world? So non-tech wise, it's been building my pizza oven, which has been fun. Yeah, how is that and, going? Uh, I've seen that all over Facebook. Oh, stage two is happening. To, well, so I've got my uh, concrete base in, and then tomorrow I'm going to start building up the brick base, and it's a, well, I think it's vermiculite plinth, which the oh, actual totally. dome will sit on. Absolutely. So that's stage two. So, like, yeah, you, I'm are, are, you, are you splitting it out into stages, or is it already like, yeah. is there a pre-stage thing you found online, like a YouTube video of a 10-year-old who, like a master, you know, pizza you know oven creator? <laughs> Uh, the thing is, I think like in when I'm coding, 
well, actually, I say this, pray do actually, but I like to think that I'll take my time and I'll plan a little bit. Whereas when it comes to DIY, I'm just like, bang, 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 just do it. So I'm really trying to like just um, discipline myself this time and just I, and yeah, like so I am put into stages for that reason that I'll just take it slow and I just I must have watched over like 80, 90 videos now on YouTube on how to build a pizza oven. So I just want to make sure I get it right. And I've already made mistakes to be fair, but they're not horrendous ones. So uh, do that. Do all the uh, yeah. videos have like conflicting, you know, like uh, um, messages? Not so much. Or... Com- <laughs> not so much conflicting. Like, do but, this, like, do that. No, I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> well, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and um, so I'm just kind of taking bits and pieces. Um, there's like a really like hippie way of doing it, and then there's like a really like I guess more professional way of doing it. And I'm just taking bits from both. So yeah, I'll um, I'll put some pictures on Twitter because I'm probably more people follow me on Twitter than I've like, got friends on Facebook from the show. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put some on Twitter when I'm. When stage two is complete, and then, uh, I like that. How many stages are there? Is, I'm hoping maybe four. Four stages. So, four stages to a pizza oven. I like it. Very cool. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, in um, work, yeah. What are you up to in work? Uh, work. Just I've been working on three or four sort of e-commerce sites, and um, not really anything new. But one thing I have done, and sort of taken this idea from Stack Overflow, but also from Laravel Five. Uh, and probably previous version of Laravel, and I think you've been telling me about this for years, and I've just got around to doing it. But I kind of like did a bit of review of my code, and I was trying to see like if there was any security flaws. And I wasn't very happy with like one of my one of the ways I was doing something was with Ajax, and it wasn't like horribly insecure, but like like all I think because all the headers like were easily viewable, and I was like exposing lots of variable names and stuff. I wasn't happy with that, and um, I sort of got around it by doing the the CR, CSRF token method that, that Taylor uses in um, in Laravel. Yep, you know what my use. Yeah, you make yeah. sure that you're only creating it through there, so you don't get any of this horrible, yeah, cross site re- yeah. request forgery. Exactly, and I think that's pretty safer than IP checks, right? Because they can be masked and. Well, I mean, either's good. I mean, it depends what you're trying to do. So that type of stuff's very useful because you do want to check to make sure that if someone, you know, because I mean, the obviously the 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 old kind of example is Twitter. Mm. I think used to be able to do through a get request, used to be able to send a tweet. Um, Right. Okay. So what you could do is then put on a page an image, you know, an image source, a hidden image that had just this, you know, malicious URL, which was, you know, send a tweet out, maybe some spam. And obviously, if you were logged into that session already through Twitter, it would be like, oh, yeah, I can go to Twitter and I can, I'm already logged in. So I'll post it and you would be none the wiser. Right. So this allows you to say, look, you have to be on that page with that session. And here's the secret, you know, secret message or secret code token at this time uh, for this request. Yeah. So, no, it's a really good idea. It's a very, I mean, you know, it's a very important idea. It's funny because obviously all these frameworks and stuff we use kind of, do such a good job of um, hiding that from us, you know, so we yeah, don't have exactly. to worry about it, which is quite funny because yeah. then, you know, obviously these are really important things, but, you know... It's, Until it's you, really- then you then work on something bespoke and you, didn't, you have to worry about it. And But I guess just continuing from your point then with the sessions and stuff, is is that approach still vulnerable to session hijacking, which I know you talked about in another yes. show. Yeah, it is. so yeah. session hijacking, the only way you can really get around that is if you're using HTTPS. Because then everything's right. encrypted. Um, uh, you know, other ways are you know. I mean, I, I released like a, I think it was last year, like a session blog thing 
uh, which did some kind of security things. Like it would, it would, because you yeah. can do regenerate. Because I remember you sending me session regenerate ID. Yeah. You can regenerate the ID. So because what essentially happens is is that a malicious man in the middle uh, finds out what your session ID is and can just use that because you know yeah. that's the session ID you're passing back to the to the server. The server doesn't know none the wiser. Uh, so things you yeah. can check are like you know is it coming from the same IP address? Because in case you know different IP, um, you know yeah. that's that's a bit bit wishy washy because you know people have shared IPs, so it's a bit kind of like mm, you know you yeah, how secure yeah. you want to be on that because I mean if they're in the coffee shop they're going to use the same IP. So you know you know this uh, is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like uh, session regeneration. So what happens is is that they make a request uh, like you know you can do like a one in five you know one in five times it will regenerate the session ID, which is a you know is a right. performance thing because you know hit because obviously you have to regenerate the ID and send it back to them, but it means then that the session that they got the attacker is now been invalidated. Um, so yeah. that's kind of nice things to do, but really the best way of doing it is by HTTPS um, and you know SSLs, yeah. you know, doing that because or TLS as we want. But you know, so that that really is kind of the best way. But you can get around it with doing other ways because I mean, again, what essentially is happening though is that if you don't use these secure, you know, connection, the secure connection, it's all plain text. So anything yeah. you do, yeah. you know, pass through can be seen. Right, I'm with you. So yeah, I've been doing that work, and then. Um, uh, privately, yeah, I've been doing a bit of bit of freelance, which I've almost finished now. And so I think I told you before, but you, yeah, you're I'm like the person who write, you're like the person who write, uh, writes a book. You know, they write the first book, and they say, "I'm never going to write a book again." It was such a taxing experience, yeah. and then like five minutes later, okay, I'm writing a book again. It's like you just yeah. like shooting yourself in the foot, don't you, mate? It's so true. <laughs> but this one, I've actually really enjoyed this project, and it's gone flawlessly. And like I demoed it to the client the other day, and they loved it, and it was like. It was just really good experience, and I think because I was doing it with another developer as well, and he's done all the front end stuff, the stuff that I don't really enjoy doing. It's worked really well, so I really enjoy working. Can you give any details, like how you were using Laravel five and stuff like that, like what the benefits were you enjoyed? Yeah, I mean, I think I said to you before that, like, I I feel really guilty because I've not been using a lot of the latest PHP stuff because of my master stuff. So now, like, I did get a chance to use it. I've just really been playing with like Eloquent and. um, uh, what's the templating thing? Uh, Blade, um, migrations, all the kind of fun stuff that comes with it. And yeah, I've just, I just really enjoyed it. It's been really effortless process, actually. There was like a little bit of a learning curve, but it wasn't too steep. And I, I think the last version Laravel used was like Laravel 3. It's very, Definitely, very different. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, just playing with that stuff, it's been really cool, to be honest with you. Um, really well, that's nice because you've been able to experiment with it, and then I mean, hopefully, you know, bring it into the workplace by saying, "Look, I've, I've used it outside of work; it worked." You know, yeah, experience. Yeah. You know, hopefully, because I mean, primarily, what what type of frameworks and stuff are you using at work? I mean, is it still Code Igniter, Laravel four stuff? Yeah, exactly. Well, not even Laravel four. It has been the only sort of like, uh, framework project we've done have been um, Laravel. Uh, sorry, Code Igniter. Yeah, so it's pretty old school stuff, but. Um, I'm hoping now I've used it a lot with this freelance project that I can kind of uh, push it uh, with work for the next sort of big project we do. So, um, yeah, see how it goes. That's really really cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you, though. Oh, uh, oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, like, because of the... um, So so you're saying about Ajax stuff and everything, and that was an interesting thing because I've I've been... uh, I'll talk about it a bit later on, you know, about the the project we're doing and everything at work, um, the React stuff. And an interesting little one is the stand... Well, the... So what's happened is they've written a standard for, uh, so you know, doing uh, doing AJAX requests is a bit of a pain. 
Um, you know, mm. obviously we all use jQuery. We blow it out with jQuery because it's easier to use because, you know, you have to make these XML, well, XML HTTP request objects, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah. there's actually a standard now out, which is called Fetch. And I don't know if you've uh, heard of Fetch. No. Fetch is quite fetching. Ha, ha, ha. So GitHub have made a good polyfill for it. And essentially what it is, is right. it's like it follows a very similar kind of way you would think of what jQuery does with gets, you know, with fetching things, um, you know, like yeah. fetching, you know, resources and stuff like that. So, you know, you can use it for, you know, exactly how you would use, uh, you know, like an Ajax request. I want to do a post here or put there or whatever. Um, but it also mm-hmm. uses um, the new S6 promises. Um, right. And that essentially, you know, allows you then to chain these things together and stuff like that. And so it's a really awesome way it allows you to do the easy use case of what you would normally expect but also then provide you with the promised um stuff which is awesome and a oh. good way of coordinating code and kind of like organizing asynchronous events um but yeah i thought i'll put that in the show notes because that is a really interesting and it's it's so nice being able to just yeah. assume it's there now this idea of fetching without having to bring in a boatload of jquery because i mean at work now a lot yeah. of our work is to a lot of our work at work is to um get rid of jquery which is kind of crazy um you know, because it's is that the way it's going now. Then you think, you think I think more... so. Well, because we're now deprecating uh, support for browsers. Uh, so you know, mm. uh, recently last week we actually removed support for IE8. So wow. because because of percentage, um, we, we we run a percentage module model. You know, so if anything goes under a certain percentage, we don't support it because it's not justifiably you know viable, justifiably viable. Well, I'm on a roll here <laughs> today. Uh, you know, it's not viable to the business to keep supporting these browsers. And, you know, things like that were, you know, one of the jokes was, oh, we get to now re- re- uh, remove, like, P- Pi. Do you remember PHP? Not PHP, yeah, Pi, yeah. IE Pi and stuff like that for random corners. The and polyfill type thing. That's it, yeah. So, um, yeah. so we get to remove yeah. that. And, you know, around it, you know, a lot of this whole jQuery stuff goes because, you know, the reasons why we're using it could become so minimal. Um, and it's just there because we use it, you know, because we, we were used to it. Uh, now but you know this yeah, big yeah. new project we're doing we're using react and react js and stuff like that and we we are very much trying to you know we take advantage of es6 stuff um you know we compile it down into es5 support you know using um Babel uh, and you know webpack so we don't you know we're very much kind of you know the, the landscape of javascript now is so much nicer and it's so much better to use a standard such as fetch and then a polyfill if required than using something like jquery uh, if you don't need to, you know, because eventually all support browsers, you know, all, all users using these browsers will have a browser that supports this, you know, implementation, uh, you know, and you can remove the polyfill. But if you're using something like jQuery, it's proprietary. It's not, you know, a standard. So, yeah, that's me rehabbing on. But that, that, that essentially is kind mm. of, you know, an awesome thing. Awesome. Well, before I ask you about uh, how you've been and stuff, uh, I, I kind of like following this Laravel thing. And I messaged you about it the other night to ask what's going on with this whole a little spat about um, a design pattern that Taylor was using that was dangerous. And you sort of explained it to me on WhatsApp, but I wondered if you could go through that again for anyone who'd like read um, that. And So, so is it, uh, so I'm sorry, I wasn't, I haven't been keeping up to date, but essentially is it to do right, with the yeah. fact that it uses facades and then that's bad because it's static and all that fun stuff? Well, look, I didn't hear, I didn't see any mention of facades. I just saw it was, um, and I thought it was like a guy who was, good mates with Taylor. That's why I was quite surprised. It was, I'm trying to think it was now. But no, I didn't see Facade's mention, but it, someone mentioning that one of the design patterns he was using was dangerous. Um, that's quite a statement. Say it's and dangerous. What, what, I mean. what, um, what, what design pattern do you remember? What one? Is it Singleton? I don't get it even mentioned, but it was probably in the chain somewhere. But um, um, I'll tell you what. 
you tell us what you've been up to, and I will have a little. <laughs> oh, no, I can't because my keyboard noise. That's all right. That essentially, I'll, yeah. I'll I, mean, like, I mean, I mean, I mean. The funny thing is, right? So, you know. I think once you get a big project, I mean, it's a funny one actually within mm. everything, you know, and we, we've now got, you know, you get these kind of, um, you know, people will say things and there'll be negative comments and there'll be good comments and stuff like that. And I mean, it was funny actually because me and Joe Watkins, so we did that. I don't know if I mentioned it to you last week, we, you know, edit, you know, we did the three days first screencast. Um, yeah. I actually released, I got to release that, which was great. Um, you know, we put it on Reddit and reddit you know there was like some you know people a lot of people viewed it which was awesome but the only comments yeah. we did get were, were kind of negative actually and quite some of them if you put them you know i put a lens over them that was kind of like okay i'm trying to get uh, you know constructive criticism out of it you can but a lot of it was just you know pretty much them just being trolly um and you know i mean this is the thing like i mean it was interesting talking to joe then he was saying you know like you know they did come up with some valid points but they the way they were doing it weren't wasn't exactly constructive um and people are going to slate things you know and people are going to hate and people are going to love and all this stuff so yeah it, it, aside from that that's kind of like the internet you, you when you put something out there like we're putting this out there to here today you know you you expect mm. either good stuff or bad stuff but you're probably going to get more bad stuff but, you know, that's on you to then taking that into that consideration. Okay, can I consider this, what they've said, constructive? Can I put this into, you know, like, oh, how will I change something in the future? Or will you just say, look, that to me, that comment doesn't help. I'm ignoring it. You know, it doesn't mean that the comment they said is valid or not. It's just like I'm ignoring that comment because it doesn't help me. So, you know, that's an interesting way of kind of thinking. Um, but, yeah, other than that, like the whole, it was interesting. So, design patterns aren't dangerous nothing is dangerous if you use it the right way um which is obviously you know like a knife is dangerous in the wrong hands but you know Mm. it can be useful in other ways so i think the issue is i mean the whole facade thing has been around for years now and it's it's kind of like a joke running joke is that you know the way that they use static things and it's not really static and it you know especially when you're starting off it can look like voodoo magic like similar like jquery does but really what it's doing is just you know it's just doing the uh, magic static methods um and on objects and allowing you then to take an instance you know it is using instance based stuff but it's just providing you a nice syntax sugar for it um, which is great, um, you know, but things such as, you know, Symphony don't show that. So they just show you what's actually happening under the hood, which is great for that as well, because then you don't get this extra layer of cruft. But, you know, it's not bad. Uh, singletons are bad. Um, you know, it was funny, actually, there's a tweet uh, uh, just today, I think it was, Ken Beck uh, posted, and it was essentially a global regex re- uh, find and replace, which is singleton replace it with global uh, global variable. And I thought that was hilarious, because essentially that is what a singleton is is a global variable right. is something that you can access all the time and you're going to get the same instance and you can change it and you don't know you know it's it's not easy to change it to test because you can't create an instance of it you know mock it up in a certain way you can't i suppose you can in isolation but you can't easily do things you know and i i guess you know for me like the way that it was done facades aren't like that you know facades aren't about you know aren't bad they aren't bad because yeah. they're just hiding what's, you know, good design principles underneath. And I think Laravel is doing a really good job with, you know, I mean, I haven't actually had a proper look at Laravel 5 really because I've been very much in the Symphony world um, this year. And But what I can see is it's, it's providing a very much like a Ruby on Rails kind of approach um, but for, mm. you know, people in the PHP world. And we're getting a lot of good syntactic sugar now on things so we can make things look very nice and fluent, eloquent, ha, 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 you know, and that stuff. And, <laughs> you know, 
for me, it's it's about like, you know, because the way I think they're building, you know, that Taylor's building up is that, you know, it's very easy to start off with. You can get a project going, but it's also after that initial approach because a lot of the problems can be is that you make something that's very easy to build up and running. So say you've got a project idea, you get an MVP out, you know, a minimum viable product, and you're like, okay, this is great, it's working now. But the code base may end up being scrapped for then doing, in quotes, a grown-up framework now or something, you know, such as Zend or Symphony, because, you know, you, you need to now handle a lot more things and you want to be implementing these deep-down, you know, implementations like Remember Me, maybe completely check different now or something like that. But whereas I think what Taylor's doing is he's kind of making it so, you know, you can start off quick, but also it's able to expand with you after the fact. And I think that's a very hard thing to do, and I think he's doing it quite well. So, you know, yeah. I think that's really good. Um, but yeah, you're going to get haters everywhere. <laughs> sad, <laughs> sad though, isn't it? I, I uh, felt sorry for Taylor the other day. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's used to it and it's like water off a duck's back now, but I just kind of think, well, you know what? I don't, think, they, I don't think if people, you think you can do better, just do I it. I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think people do get used to it. Like, I think they're all humans. I think no, they're all, I think they're I all like us. I think, you know, yeah. for us, it, it does hurt because it's like, well, you know, you, yeah. you you either kind of retreat and you say, I'm never doing it again, or you become very stubborn, or you yeah. kind of have to take a very much an approach of like, okay, what they've said is that I am either yeah. going to ignore it or I'm going to act on it. So I just thought, I found Taylor's comment on Twitter was basically, it says, confession, I tune people out who use the word dangerous in regards to following or not following given design patterns. And that's just like basically what we've just said, really. It's not dangerous if if you do things in the right way, I guess. Uh, well, that's it, because you know this is it, isn't it? Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean that that's an interesting one actually. But it's interesting, you know, you're very much heavily involved now in like the Laravel stuff, it's particularly in your own time, mm. which is quite cool. Because I remember the time when you didn't want to move from Code Ignited to Laravel, you know, and didn't want to move from procedural PHP. Well, this um, is it, you know. God, back in yeah. even back in the day, um, still but, don't. You know, <laughs> still holding on for a revival still believing in it eh but yeah. it's interesting how things change and everything you know and how like things and like a good segue from that is actually the work that i'm doing um so you know we, we've our work now so currently at work we're doing a, a very big kind of react project um yeah and essentially so react for people who don't know there's a, a couple of really good blog posts out there on it i'll put them in the show notes a couple of good podcasts on it i'll put it in the show notes and essentially like bundled up react is simply something that's from facebook um it's a the idea is it's a view layer and what it does is it's kind of the, the the buzz thing about it is it's got this idea of a virtual dom um which allows you then to keep constantly so the idea is that you get away from this two-way binding thing where you don't know what the source of truth is the you know the idea that you know say i'm updating that button and the button's changing you know I, i'm clicking on that button or the button of the star was in there and stuff like that what happens is you now yeah. you change that state all the time so you're saying okay the state of this button now is blue the state of it is now you're very declarative you're not telling it how it does it uh, and what essentially mm. happens then is you know this now new new print of okay this is what this should look like now it's very state based state machine based where this is what it should look like now the the dom the the actual um a virtual dom does a diff on what's currently in the dom with the minimal changes that need to happen so so you can now keep looking at things such you know in, in a way that i'm replacing the whole dom each time which is a great nice way to feel and it's a very easy intuitive way to now think is that okay i'm constantly replacing that i never have to worry about the state i can never get into an invalid state almost because i'm constantly changing it you know based on that and it deals with it you know the, the performance requirements because hitting the dom's hard um there's actually a couple of other projects you know following on from this you know it you know and actually uh, sorry along with that is the the react stuff is the component side of things 
actually, I suppose, no, actually, it's not. I think that's more to do with the flux, which I'll talk about a bit later on. But yeah, so, you know, this is the kind of thing, you know, very declarative. It's doing this. It's now that. It's now that. It's now that. It's now that. And it will do the diff for you and do the performance stuff. And they say there's other projects out there that do things like this similarly. Um, we actually had a, a, a company in uh, last week to just do like a little tech meetup thing. And they were talking about, you know, wanting to move some stuff over to React because they've heard a lot of good things from their backbone implementation. And a lot of the problems they have now is the rendering like massive collections in backbone because they don't know what state it's in they have to re-render the whole thing and it becomes very taxing so you know what they want to do is move their react their their view layer to react or certain sections of their view layer to react because of the fact it can do these things and see if they can get good performance boost by that way so that's quite interesting that you can use react in you know existing applications such as backbone um along with the react stuff though so that's that's this awesome you know tech source type thing you then have like a an idea of it's an architectural pattern and that's called Flux. And that's another thing that kind of is very much entwined with um, React because, you know, you kind of think of it together, but really they are two separate things and can be used in separate ways. Um, and the idea of Flux is it's this unidirectional, so one direction uh, pattern or flow of, you know, of execution within your application. And it's a very simple way of thinking, but it's very hard to kind of change your mindset to think that way. Um, the closest you could probably think of it is that it's an MVC pattern, but without the controllers. So right. you have the models and the views, um, and the, but there is no one governing between um, because they're mainly view controllers kind of thing. Um, and essentially what happens is is you have, and it's amazing how there's such simple idea, you can build big applications from it. I was very skeptical at first, but you can build big applications from it. And essentially, so you have the idea is that you have an action. So an action gets called, well, sorry, an act, uh, the user instigates an action creator, which creates an action such as, you know, maybe I'm adding this user. The u- adding, you know, adding a user action then fires off a dispatch call. So it's a very much like a glorified pub sub type thing where, you know, it will send off a dispatch call. Oh, by the way, you know, the action, you know, um, add user with the parameters, you know, of what the new JSON uh, you know, representation of that user is. That then gets picked up by the stores. And the stores then will listen on this thing saying, oh, do I need to handle um, adding a user? Certainly the user store does. The user store will be like, oh, I need to handle that. So internally it will then do its representation of like, oh, I'm storing this user. You know, maybe it will say when it stored it or something like that, you know, as well. So it's done a little bit of logic itself. Um, then what that does then is fire off a change event saying, by the way, guys, I've changed. The store has now changed. Um, the store changes and any view components, uh, any components, and this is typically where the React store comes in, um, you know, any components that care about it will say, oh, you've changed. Okay. And it will go back to the source of truth and which is the store itself and go, what have you changed? So it then go, oh, where do I get my new, not what's changed, sorry, but what, what, where do I get my information from? So the information it needs is such as maybe the view component for listing them says, I need all the, a list of all of the users and I need to, you know, render it this way. Um, one of the beautiful things, and I'm kind of going off on a bit of a tangent, but I really love this, is mm. kind of like I started sending messages. It's source of truth is a really interesting thing. Source of truth yeah. is very easy to understand, but very hard to do because it can mm. be it, you can kind of liquidate and you can kind of you know pollute things and stuff like that very easily. The stores maintain a source of truth. I can only know about user information. You know the, the truth about the user information is through this store. And the way I do that, so is by querying the store. So normally, what I well, typically, what I would think of doing is because the stores are actually static and global, which is a very weird thing to think of. 
but it works. And that, that's all I can kind of say at the moment is it works. Um, you know, is what you do is you essentially, because it's using the pub sub model, it, it's still broken up. It is still broken up. Um, but essentially what happens is, you know, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. I'm completely lost train of thought there. <laughs> no, essentially what happens is, you know, that you, you always are asking for the, the representation, so you're always getting back that information. But with the event listener stuff and listening and sending events, typically what I would do is say, oh, by the way, this is what the new information is. So you know you'd, you'd may send on change, fire the event, and say, by the way, this is the new person's name. Well, if you get the new person's name, you've now liquidated that source of truth because the source of truth of that person's name is both in the store and in that message you've sent. But you have no right. control over that message anymore that's been sent to these events. Something could happen in between that and the message, the person's name can change from Joe Bloggs to Sally Ann or something. You don't know because this message is, you know, you've now duplicated the source of truth. Um, you know, I may be representing now and that component may go, oh, I'm updated. I'm now called Sally Ann. But really, you're Joe Bloggs. So what you do instead is you just send a message saying, I've changed. And if it's changed, it will then go back and query at the time it wants to, you know, the store for the information. That then allows you to maintain that you know, source of truth. And it was interesting last week, actually, we were having, a, again, it's this kind of very weird that you're like, oh, we're breaking source of truth here because we were doing messaging and messaging in, in the set of notification area. For, so you use a notification area. And the idea was, you know, that say an error happens. So a message, so we've got the idea of pending messages. Pending messages, you know, if you try and put in a phone number in a pending message or send, try and send a phone number in a message, um, but you haven't, you know, you're interested or you're in, uh, you know, new, you're a new lead or you're, you're in an interested state and you're not being shortlisted, it's an error. You, you shouldn't be able to put in a new a, a phone number. So what happens yeah. is, is, you know, we would... F- so we send it off to the, the um, to the client to the server. Sorry, the server comes back saying, uh-uh, "Sorry, four hundred error. You can't use you know invalid data, bad request." We then will add that that then the store then knows. Oh, this message has an error to it. So the message store you know handles it and says, "I've got an error." But what we were also doing was handling a message store or a notification store. Sorry, that was saying, "Oh, oh, you've got an error. I'm going to create a new error message," and it would display it on the on the screen. Again, though, we are now making two sources of truth because the message knows about it being an error and so does this notification. So, yeah. and the, but they're two distinct things. One can't control the other. So what's happening there is that if I update and it says, oh no, the error's gone now in the message store, this error yeah. is going to be around willing, you know, for whatever, you know? So it's interesting that, and it's like, oh, actually, really what you need to do is, again, it's to represent all the store, all the components are representations of the components. Oh, no, all the components are, sorry, are representations of the stores. And essentially what you do is you constantly are querying these stores. So you, the way you do it instead of creating a new message is you, the message would be like, oh, have you got any store message? You know, it would constantly be saying, oh, query in the store. Does the store have um, does any errors and display them? And, event, you know, constantly doing that on change on all of them, it would listen. So it's a different way. Again, it's it's very simple, and you can draw it in one simple diagram. But actually, implementing it and using it can be quite tricky. You know, like I feel like you should come with like some sort of health warning because, like, I might do something. I think I'm really clever, and then I'll speak to you for ten seconds, and I realise how little I know, and I just want to hide in a cave and <laughs> that's have, not... a, have a typewriter and <laughs> just that's as this, far as I want to go with technology. This 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 stuff, right, man? It's like. I'm only learning it because I've had, well, I've le- I'm learning it because I love it, but also because, you know, we're doing yeah. it at work and stuff and it is a completely different learning curve now, you know, with these things right. and it's great, you know? 
yeah, I think it's fantastic. And you know, I, I, if I had the time, I'd love to have a play with React. But I guess I, I need to get my head around a lot of these things. So I, I still struggle with the idea of like why we're using sort of like these more front end technologies for rendering content. And um, see now that's but, a really in well, it's like business logic. Where should you say you've yeah. got a valuable product and you're just dumping it all? In Minify yeah. JS, but it doesn't really matter if it's Minified or not. People could still, you know, look at it. Um, you know, mm. some, they could have a pretty good way of reverse engineering it. You put all this on, so you put the whole web app onto the client. Well, it's great for the client because yeah. the client's quicker, you know, stuff like that. But you've now lost all the value. All the value is mm. now with the client. The client could easily just save that and it's done pretty much in that essence, you know. How do you split? Yeah. And it's where you split, you know, where you, because a lot of people typically now they go with a very clever client and a dumb server which is hilarious yeah. because uh, you know we used to think of it the complete opposite way you know where the, yeah. the client yeah. would do simple visual changes maybe like oh yeah you've, you've done a little bit of validation error or something but all the real logic would happen on the server but as sessions now what's happening is the server's just for persistence the server's like oh yeah dumb store kind of thing which is crazy to think that we kind of do that and and it is true that you have to work out where you split it you know because I know you're you're very much like me, where you're like mm, a bit hesitant putting a lot of logic on the on the service on the client side. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. And, yeah. And like you know, there's this whole buzz thing of isomorphic JavaScript, which is essentially code that runs on the server and on the client, and yeah. it, you know, it runs the same. So because things like Google, even though they do a good job at rendering JavaScript on your pages. Giving them mm. a stat, you know, what you want to be able to do is be able to give someone a static implementation of, of the thing. So say like the page is being rendered by JavaScript normally, you then want to render it on the server and then give back a static implementation as well. This idea of isomorphic JavaScript happens. And even though it's just a buzz, it's a fancy word for essentially, yeah, it runs on the server and the client. And that's one thing I've been yeah. playing around with quite a lot with all this ES6 JavaScript stuff. Yeah, yeah. I do, I definitely need to like start looking at some of this kind of stuff because I'm doing like, kind of fallen into it really uh recently like building a lot big sort of javascript applications and um and whilst i wouldn't say my code's horrific just like the structure is pretty poor and i think some of these like frameworks and some of these tools would really help me clean that up i guess but i think like so i guess one of my biggest fears with um putting more workload on the front end is i just find debugging it it's harder, actually. But maybe well, that's just lack of experience. No, I mean, you know what, right? You're, you're, you're right, though. Um, essentially, mm. now, any bug that happens is happening on the client. And yeah. how, do you, how do you know that? You know, on a, you get nice server logs, you know? I mean, the great thing about, you know, you, you hook up Monolog and you've got it on your, on your application and, and, you know, if there's an error happens, you know, oh, we'll get this big old stack trace. Yeah. Think yeah. about that now. That's on your own controlled hardware. Now you're giving it yeah. to every client their own implementation on their cert, on their computer. Yeah. You're now giving yeah. them, you know, the code, and they've, you know, it's got to work. Um, and we we will get in that now, where we've we've been playing around with a lot of different tools for this. Um, one of them's the new Relic stuff, the browser stuff they do, and they do some great logging and stuff like that. Where you know they because what essentially happens is is um, all these tools kind of there's a window on error um, handler. And what happens is, is JavaScript, you know, you can bind to that and you can say, listen to that, sorry. And what these do is they fire off and they'll they'll try and grab as much information as possible in the browser. So if there was an error happened and send it off and then you can log, you know, you can log that and you can analyze that. 
Um, you know, yeah. one of them was New Relic, which was great. You know, I mean, you know, it's quite expensive though. Um, and we found that it doesn't really give us all the information we want um, in a nice way. Another one is, and um, we're using now is Airception. Now, Airception is very cool. Um, and, you know, we're having a lot of good stuff with that. Look, got a good, um, you know, getting a lot of good information out. And we've now hooked it up even to our hip chat as well so you know we're getting the you know the javascript errors when they come through as well and one of the annoyingest things is the fact that certain mobile network operators i think vodafone is one of them actually injects Mm. crap into your pages so it actually actually injects so you get this bmi underscore sidebar or whatever it's called or side load or some rubbish and essentially it's making an error on the page it's because they're injecting stuff on their network um they're so doing it to control then of like your application you know what really. you lose you... i mean unless it's https you know if it's a clear yeah. you know, they can they can do that because you know they they know what's going on you know so they can say oh it's a page oh, i'll just you know add this in i inject this crap in yeah. um and yeah we get all these errors and we have to ignore them because we can't do anything about them i mean there's a couple of header tricks you can do um but it's a bit mm. of a pain so that's a bit of a pain anyway so but that's on another tangent but you know what we've doing is we are now using stuff like errorception and um I mean, another thing is you minify the source. So you minify the source, yeah. you get a stat trace back, and the stat trace is on the source or on the minified source. And you're like, well, that's great. How am I going to work? You know, work that out. Uh, so what you have yeah. these things are called source maps. And essentially, and I've, I've been playing around with them last last night, and they look so strange. I'm glad the computer understands them because they are crazy. <laughs> uh, essentially, what they do is they do the complete opposite of what the minify does. So you have the minify. You get you also say I want a source map from this, and essentially what happens is it's able to from the source map rebuild the source code. So right. these like air receptions and stuff, they know the location of our source map, and they know the location of the file. So they know there's an error in this file. We get this horrible minified version and say, oh, give me the source map version. Essentially, it will then you know reproduce the source code for us, so we can actually see real line numbers. Um, You know, you get this a lot. Like Webpack is able to do. I'm sure all the other ones are able to do it, like Browserify and Grunt stuff and everything. You know, getting this kind of real line numbers based on you know what you're actually getting in production. um, You know, or even in development mode, and you can do kind of cool things. But yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Errors and stuff handling these things are completely different, and you do rely a lot on the fact that they're using good hardware. Well, good sorry not hardware good software now you know good versions of things and it's kind of scary you know but but the days are now i mean like if we're now not supporting iea that's beautiful for us we're very lucky to do that because now that removes a whole other browser that could have problems you know if we're our lowest common dominator now is ie9 um i mean actually talking about browser stuff um i think the stock android browser has now become my new ie6 I hate it. Really? I ab- so the stock Android browser. Sorry, I'm keep ranting on. Um, but the right. stock the stock Android browser essentially is well, it's a WebKit implementation. Um, mm. It's now been discontinued, so they no longer support it. But 22 percent right. of all mobile users use the stock Android browser, which isn't supported anymore. Okay. <laughs> and obviously they do because what they do is they go on their, their phone, they get a phone, it says internet on it. Oh, this is how you get on the internet. So we have yeah. to support it, even though it's not really supported. And it is such a pain to debug with because, so what we do, you know, with iOS implementation, so iOS, you know, you can hook up your phone mm. and you can hook up on the simulator and you can get the console debug logs and stuff like that through Safari, yeah. which is quite nice. 
Um, you could also do that with the Android emulator using Genie Motion, which I remember you talking about before, you know, and I've, yes. I've, I can't get enough of Genie Motion. It is amazing. Superb, isn't it? Really amazing good. bit yeah. of kit there. Um, and, you know, you can do that with Chrome because Chrome has a debug implementation that you can now, you know, interface with. Stock Android mm-hmm. browser, though, has none of that. So all you can do, is, and, and there was a blog post that I'll put in the show notes as well, which is like, how do you debug for this? So, you know, essentially you can just... You can say, oh, I'm not going to support stock browser, Android browser. Well, we can't do mm. that because 22% of, you know, these 22. mobile users it's use big, it. Isn't it. It's huge. Mm, yeah. um, it's more yeah, than what yeah. Chrome is. I mean, that's ridiculous. So they've just, it, it, wow. it, it boggles the mind. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so essentially what you can do is you can then, there's like, you can use rudimentary commands, you know, interacting with the JavaScript using the URL, or you can use something called, I think it's called, well, I'm going to spell it Wiener, even though it's called Web Inspector Remote. And all they've done is take right. the first two characters of each of those le- or each of those words, and it's called right. Wiener. Um, and essentially, what it is is it's it's kind of like JS Console, which is a, a program uh, like a web application that's uh, Remy Remy. Well, not Remy. So Remy's the guy from CentOS, but Rem, um, the guy <laughs> who made JS Bin, JS Bin. Um, right. He he made, and what it does is you put this code in. It's a, it's a Node application. You run it on the command line. It then creates a little server for you that you then put in, inject this code into your like your header of your file. So you know, I put it on at the moment when I'm debugging. I've got it in there, and essentially what happens is is it hijacks. It listens and it can actually create similar to what the WebKit inspector looks like. It's able to build that representation just through this JavaScript on a page that you've loaded in Android or in any device, really. So I can now yeah. look at the console logs and stuff like that. And I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to do a blog post on it, but I'm definitely going to put it in the show notes because these two together, the Genie Motion and Wineuff for, for stock Android browsing is just the bare minimum you need, especially when it's yeah. so, it, well, it is a JavaScript application that you're running. Um, but yeah, so we're getting a lot of interesting things with that. And anyway, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you talk now because I think I've been chatting for way too long. Oh, my, I don't know if I can say anything. My head's just kind of uh, exploding. But no, it was really interesting <laughs> stuff to be honest with you. And uh, I was gonna say, like you, when you started with this, you weren't. You seem like you're a convert now. You didn't seem too impressed, like by the idea of getting into React when you first started. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think no, no, I think I think for me, like the whole JavaScript stuff, I haven't done loads of it. So, mm. but then when you get the chance to do it on a day-to-day basis, you you learn, you, you fall in love with it. You know, you fall in love yeah. with anything, you know, and, and like ES6 for me is great. Um, you know, mm. and I, I love it, you know, and you kind of take advantage of what you can. And it is, a, it is a learning curve though. You know, it's the whole, not only the fact of the language, you know, using this language, um, but it's also the fact of like the React stuff, um, you know, mm. the Flux stuff, but then it's also the Webpack stuff and dealing with, because how do you bundle the application? You know, how do you say, so how do you log it? How do you bundle it? How do you package it up for production? Um, you know, how do we want to, you know, to test these things? You know, we're going through a lot of testing phases and stuff like that. We have to write a lot of docs on that. And I think there's still a lot more writing that we need to do internally of how we do things and stuff, because it's been a very much a learning experience as well. But it's been really interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, the work that Facebook have done is really, really good. And I mean, it's funny because they're, they're kind of example. The reason why they made React and Flux was because they had... I think it was the fact that they had a message, unread message counter on their, on their, you know, on the homepage or, you know, on Facebook's homepage when you log in. Um, and yeah. then, you know, they had, it was actually, so it was updating. So, you know, you ha- you view the message and the fact that you click on this message, that uh, a Facebook counter should now update to zero. You know, if you've read unread message, oh, I'll click on that. I go to the, it's unread now. The little counter should uh, update to zero as well, and they were finding it very hard doing it. You know, with this two-way binding, and they felt you know mm. going through stores now, single source of truth again. Those now are two components that are now querying the same store. 
you know so it's saying oh, i'm updated now and then it's a the change event this kind of way way of thinking really does make you go oh yeah that that works really well yeah yeah well i'm gonna have to check it out at some point definitely um so you've been up to it. anything else like uh in your free time or you uh um, just trying to i think keep away for- from it at the minute <laughs> So in my free time, actually, um, I've been... So it's interesting, like this weekend, I went to a good friend of mine, uh, Gavin Chan's wedding up in London, which was nice. Uh, he he used to work... Well, never heard of him. Well, you know, he's a lovely guy. Um, and right. I was talking to Will, um, the designer, he came along and about kind of design stuff. And um, and it's interesting because that's a whole other world, whole other world design yeah. stuff. And yeah. this this MailChimp, the guy for, a guy from MailChimp who works at, as a, I was a product engineer designer there. He wrote a book called um, Designing Emotion or like Emotional right. Design. And his name's Aaron Walter. And he did a a, a, a video, uh, a, sorry, a talk on it. And it's really interesting. And I'll put it in the show notes. It's really, really interesting designing for emotion, designing, d- designing things that matter, you know, and make people care. And again, yeah. it blows my mind because we all handle just this code, you know, so we're looking at code and that, that really is our kind of sweet spot, our bread and butter. But really design mm-hmm. is, as is, it, it's packaged up. It was funny. We made a joke where people would say, oh, what do you do? We're like, well, we work, you know, we're, we're developers. Essentially, you could both, you know, people think of design, like what, the way we work, design, product design and development in one big bundle. You know, we create something, but actually they're two yeah. very separate and but very, very mutually needed things. You need designers to make something good. You need designers to make, you know, a, a you know, product appealing. But and you need developers to be able to help develop the application to actually make it do something. So yes. you know, ne- neither of them are better or worse than the other. They're both needed. But also that term designer has kind of been hijacked a little bit because like uh, the um the book that I've been reading recently, the um Ganger Four book says that actually you're a designer before you're a developer. You're a designer of code. So I know we're talking like that. That's no, that's here, interesting. But, yeah, but no, you design. Are. Yeah, you're designing code and you're designing UXs, interfaces. So that's interesting, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, you can kind yeah. of think we of just that. think of design as being like a, an aesthetic thing, but it's actually design. It's like you know the architectural side of the code, isn't it? So we are like you know I say, oh, you know, I'm not a designer, I'm a developer, but actually you are. You are a designer as well, but just in a very different uh, respect. But, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's the two parts are absolutely crucial, and if one of those is suffers, then the whole project suffers, doesn't it? I guess. Well, this is it. You know, no one wants to use your product if it if it looks crap. No one wants to use your product if it doesn't do what it needs to do. Uh, it's yeah. a funny thing. So no, I, I, I mean, I really want it. And that's one of the things I want to get into a lot more is the is the kind of design stuff. At least appreciating it more. I feel, you know, I kind of feel at least if if I put some time into actually appreciating it, at least I can understand how scary and big it is, you know. And it's not just a you know a liquor paint on you know I'll skip reskin this, will you? You know, kind of feeling there is actually a lot to it. <laughs> and you know, reskin. yeah, it's do a reskin of it, you know. Oh yeah, you know, kind of belittling the hard work that goes into these type of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's very cool, man. Nice one. Um, so anything else you've been up to or is that about it really um, i think i've kind of just you yeah 
I think uh, me in a nutshell, me in like a massive nutshell, because I think I've kind of like hijacked the uh, mic. Um, yeah, no, no other than that, that's been me, man. Like the JavaScript stuff, it's mainly been, um, you know, I, I wrote, uh, I think I wrote, I think I, I think I wrote, I, I did write a blog post. Um, I think, I think I talked, spoke <laughs> about it a while ago. It was about binary search trees. Um, and I'm going to be doing one on AVL trees. Um, that's one thing I want to do, but the, that's kind of like a tech blog kind of thing we do at our work. Um, I am actually in the process of moving my, my blog, my personal blog over to Jekyll. I've, I've oh. taken it. I'm taking the steps. I'm now redesigned my blog and it's going on Jekyll. Um, How come? Uh, purely for the fact of ease. Um, you know, I, I'm actually starting to think, do I even need a digital ocean box? Um, the price is fine. I mean, the price is nothing. You know, it's only $5 a month, so I probably will keep it anyway. But for the fact that, you know, being able to push up to GitHub and then it, it hosting it and stuff, it just seems such an easy thing to do. And yeah, I really want to redesign my blog. I'm getting bored of the design now. And I want a nice, simple kind of blog interface design without what I've got a bit of cruft around it. So, yeah, it's going well. I mean, how how is your blog? Are you doing any personal blogging, any things like that at the moment? Or you, you must be swamped, though, to be fair. Uh, the things I'd like to, we talked about doing in like, the next few um, podcasts and stuff is like some Git tutorials. Yeah, because, so, so you want to yeah. get on the, we want to get, so actually saying that, you know, yeah. I should probably mention, I, I recorded a couple of days ago another screencast with uh, Crack Jojo Watkins. Um, right. which is a really good one. It's going to, it's about, so he's actually implemented a fixed array, uh, implementation in C as a PHP extension, uh, similar to like the SPL fixed array, but we go through it, building it up bit by bit and everything. And it's a great, great tutorial, he, he, you know, great screencast. We, we, we got, you know, we, we listened to all the feedback and stuff we got from the last one and we kind of feel that we've done a better job this time. And I'm going to make sure I've done, do a much better job at editing. Cause I think that's where the downfall was last time. Well, I think, you know, you've done a fantastic job anyway, and, and the editing side of things is hard because you're balancing your job and all your other stuff, so, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. But, um, yeah, we'd like to do, well, I'd like to do some Git stuff because, again, it's one of, like the, one of my, like, areas I feel really guilty about that I've not, I don't know too much about, and I have, like, a Bitbucket account, and I sort of push stuff up, but that's about as far as it gets, so I have to really, like, get an understanding of that, so it'd be good to do just some like uh, initial introductory like podcasts on what what it is, what it does, and then like doing some screencasts, like you say, on like really actually using it and um, that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, unless any like the listeners really don't want that, but um, oh, I, I yeah. think they will. I think the thing is, is it's one of those things where it's it's easy mm. to do once you're doing it. Like you know, yeah. now it became a part of thing. You know, I can't think of life without doing using version control on a daily basis at work it'd be stupid not yeah. to but yeah, yeah you know the thing is though is obviously it's trying to bring it into a company or trying to do that and a lot of people will be doing that you know and, and people trying to say sell the benefits but if people are sold on it it's very easy to use it and very easy to do because they're sold on it it's the way it's going to happen the software has been designed and architected and you know the development process has been designed and architected in such a way that that works but you know it's yeah. trying to get a, a code base that you've already got or a workshop that you're already using, you know, kind of, you know, a workshop, you know, a shop, but, you know, people, uh, you know, to actually use these things and invest in and, and it's trying to find that way to do it. And I think screencasts and talking about it is a really good idea and I'll be more than happy. Yeah, we yeah. could, we can get Screen Hero going. I mean, that's another thing actually we should talk about, Screen Hero. I mean, how awesome is that, eh? I mean, it Ken is Beck's, very awesome, oh, actually. Ken, yeah. Ken Beck spoke about it, you know, on an episode with Adam Watham and I've been using it yeah. ever since. Um, I really hope Slack don't destroy it. Um, they've brought it out and I really, <laughs> pre- please, please, 
please don't destroy it. So and you keep saying this. Have you got like any like signals that they're going to? Or I it's just, just your I have, well, the initial, the annoying thing is, is no matter what, you're going to have to get a Slack account, which is fine. Yeah, and you're going to have to pay extra yeah. on a Slack account because you're going to get this as an extra free. Because they're very clever. Because what they've done is they've onboarded you by. But the, it's really interesting, actually, again, talking to more product people, um, you know, the way they worked is that, you know, so they've been like, they do a free tier and you're using a free mm. tier, aren't you? You're, you? You've now, and what you're doing is you've slowly polluted and, and, you know, you sneaked in under the radar into all these developers' lives. You know, now product teams are using Slack. You know, you're now using Slack. Yeah. Could you could you think of a world now without using Slack almost or that kind of IM instant messaging stuff? Would you want to go back to Skype? You know, do you like the benefits of the fact that Slack provides? But do you know what? I think the thing is, like, I understand what you're saying, but like something like, um, like our CRM and stuff, like we've got lots of content that's like up there in the server that it'd be a nightmare to move. But with Slack, you're not like, say, some other developers come along, it's like, well, we're going to produce completely open source alternative. It wouldn't be hard to move away, would it? It would. But, really but that the thing is, is, you are and you aren't like. That information, so how, I mean, I typically Google, like we use HipChat, and I do typically, uh, you know, like say, oh, I need to go back and find, you know, what we were talking about back then, and I need the archives. Yeah. So what, yeah. uh, what they do is they only allow you to search archives, I think, on a premium tier. So, <laughs> you know, and this is clever, because now that you're using it, now you've got to do it that way, you know. Say you want to do start video chats and stuff. Well, all the people are already using Slack. I don't want them to have to install something else, so you need to pay up for that and stuff. So clever things they're done. Mm. I think having a free tier that you slowly get people in and then onboarding them that way is a very clever idea. Um, sneaky, it, it yeah. is sneaky. It is sneaky, but it's a, it's a brilliant way because people, I mean, again, we, we were talking about it with um, Adam Watham, you know, and he actually, sorry, he was talking about it where, you know, with Ian Landsman, uh, the guy who did Userscape and stuff like that, and he was saying, you know, yeah. Developers are uh, are fickle. We are we are a fickle bunch. We we will drop it. You know, uh, you know, at the sign of anything, we will say, "Oh no, I'm not using it anymore. You're something else." Um, we're not loyal. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and, and rightfully so because you know you get loyal to certain yeah. things. Uh, you know, like classic ASP. And you know, what's the point? I am. Yeah. You are loyal, loyal, loyal to classic ASP. You know, user. And this is the thing. Like you know, you become that becomes you. And it's like, no, you need to be able to drop and move. You know, this is the thing. Duck and weave. Developments all yeah. about ducking and weaving. There we that go. That is true. Show- so I have two other final points, if yep. I may. Uh, first one is I saw, I think you told me about this, the um, kind of like shortened if statement thing for P- P7. Oh, like, the Coalesque uh, uh, null operator. Yeah. But I, I thought it looked horrible. Someone put it on Twitter. I was like, <laughs> no, I don't like that at all. Like, well, it, it's come from it, C Sharp, actually. Um, doesn't so look so- like it should work it's, i don't know so essentially what horrible. it is essentially what it is is we have at the moment um you know the the, the kind of oh, i can't remember what it's called um but it's essentially i think it's the elvis operator i think that's what they call it or, mm. or whatever it's called it's like we have the ability to just do a, a you know question mark colon and then do something yeah. so if this value is not null use it else use this and that's fine yeah. that's great you know um but it's for is set one so say like you know is this get variable set use it else use null or use a default uh you get this also with like objects and stuff so say like you know is is this value here uh else use this so i've actually used it in the avl tree where you know i was checking that this you know that this so i wanted to make sure that this so what actually happened was there was my my left child's 
uh, left child was was available was present so and typically you'd have to do this if and do this horrible ternary thing because you'd have to always make sure that it's available before checking but with this null coalesce it actually does an is set kind of uh, uh, kind of operation or it does do an is set operation and essentially it will check say okay is this set this value so i could do you know go down the chain if it is i'm now going to get the value for that and use that else i'm going to use a default so yeah. it may look a bit ugly um but it's very mm. useful and you, you i reckon you will like it i reckon you will start using it come around eventually yeah yeah uh the other thing is have you used windows 10 no comment uh no uh <laughs> I, I i mean to be honest it was funny we uh we were looking at user stats at user agent stats again and i think it's like 0.2 or 3 percent of our users actually use windows 10 at the moment it's um, going to change dramatically gonna, though, over the next six months, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, have you? Have you been using Windows 10? Uh, I've seen people at work using it, and so far they've been quite complimentary about it. Um, what, what is the difference? Like, is it essentially what Windows 7 is to Windows Vista, where they fixed all the stuff that should have been fixed in Windows 8? That's the exact comparison that someone said to me this morning, actually. Yeah, I think that's about it. But, um, yeah, I don't want to, I, really I hate acting like a snob. But I'm just so no. glad that I don't have to deal with that crap. Like, yeah, me too. I, I, I love too. Macs and I love the yeah. Unix architecture. I love the command line yeah. and I don't want to be yeah. dealing with Windows. And it was interesting, you know, like thinking about developing on a Windows machine now is I would hate that. I'd probably get used yeah. to it, but I don't enjoy it. I prefer a Mac. Yeah. Yeah, and that's us being snobs. That is us um, being Apple fanboys. Um, and happy. Yeah. And happy. And happy. Exactly. Happy lives. If you use a Mac, there we go. Um, uh, yeah, and just uh, going back to a previous point, like it, talking about the criticism of Laravel, it was um, Anthony Ferreira who was yeah. Well, we're hoping still to get on the show. I mean, he 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 is a big know, voice. Exactly. In, you know, he is a big I'm voice. Sorry, but you that's know, why I, I think, didn't get involved because I, I love both those guys. It's yeah, like, oh. I mean, I think I think the thing is, you know, it's again, it's this whole idea. People just want to say, you know, they have comments yeah, they want to say and stuff personal, like that. I don't think it's personal. I mean, yeah, passionate about yeah. what they do. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, and he's doing a lot of cool work. And, you know, I, again, I, I, I just, I, I like staying away from that stuff. I believe, you know, we're all yeah. great. We all get on with what we're doing. Um, you know, and people are going to have positive feelings yeah. towards things and negative feelings toward things. But, you know, all in all, we're all yeah. trying to make the world a better place. Isn't that what so. development's about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's trying to find a really positive sure. way to, you know, end the show, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh anyway, man, but it's been a great podcast, yeah. dude. Um, yeah, and great. Thank you for the chat, uh, catch up again. It, that sounds pretty really? bad. I'm going to say thank you. Thank for you. Catch up. No, it's been a great podcast, man. And yeah, it's been great having you back on the show. It seems like ages since yes. I last spoke to you. Um, but yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll get on with doing a couple more. Go and get all of us in involved and stuff. We great. And um, do some git stuff. And yeah. Do some git stuff. That'll be it. Because you'd be git not yeah. to. But no, that'd be awesome. Great. All right then, audience. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you. Or well talking to you yeah talking at you um you know all again and yeah we will see you next week goodbye stay classy bye you've been listening to three devs and a maybe you can contact us at contact at three devs and a maybe dot com or follow us on twitter at the number three devs and a maybe